The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words here and talk of grown-up things. So, make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum. Hi, this is Charlie, and this is my parental moment of glory. My oldest daughter is four years old, and she asked me if I would play her some music in the car. I said, sure, what do you want to hear? Because I thought it would be something from the learning group, Alouette or Mary Had a Little Lamb. And she said, I want to hear, I have nothing but my name. I have nothing but my name. Which, as it turns out, is how one of Iggy Pop's songs goes. So I have taught my daughter to like Iggy Pop, the new album, the existential one. Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. Today we'll hear from Jack Walsh, who read in our November show at Kavarna. Uh, okay, you see, you know how Nana and Papa are Christian and they believe different stuff? Well, our friends also believe different things a lot. And so, you know, maybe just don't bring it up. Jack's story was about talking about religion with your kids in a multi-faith household or, for that matter, in a multi-faith reality. That can be really tough. It absolutely can be. Right. So uh, last episode, we actually like started to get into this and then said, okay, let's just hold off to this episode because we knew that Jack's awesome story was coming up. So um, like how has that figured into your household with, with it your two kids? It hasn't been figured. It hasn't been figured out at all. And I, um, <laughs> it's something that I would like to figure out. I, I grew up going to church. Okay. Uh, my mother is an Episcopal priest. She's very open-minded. But so I, I didn't have a lot of doctrine crammed down my throat. However, I'm not sure about church. And my husband grew up in a more conservative church, and now he says he's an atheist. But anyway, yeah, I would like to give my kids some sort of, like, foundation. Life has meaning. Life has rituals. But mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like right now. Right. How about you? Uh, we're taking Bird to the Unitarian Universalist Church, and I was actually raised UU and feel very much at home at the the church here. So I think that's pretty much the direction we're going to go. I really, really like that place. Um, so is he already used to going to, like, the daycare there? Yes. And yeah. you go pretty regularly? No. <laughs> like you, like... Uh, Having a spiritual practice is something that I want to bring into our lives a lot more because like growing up, going to church was something we did every single Sunday and it was a huge part of our lives. It just seemed like we would spend like these long Sundays there and like even today, all my parents' friends like that I know now and have known my entire life went to that UU church and I see that and I'm like, I want that for us. But yeah. just still haven't really dived in, haven't really, haven't really gone there. But I think the fact that you have found um, a church that you like and that you consider somewhere that with time you'll grow as your home church is, I mean, that's a big step in a direction that of having that community. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I talk to my mom about it all the time because she sees us in our generation that we don't go to church and... Um, You know, sometimes we discuss, well, does that mean just like a women's group that meets on a Wednesday night and discusses some book? And yes, yes, that might be what feeds my soul more than sitting in a traditional Episcopal service. However, it doesn't take into account the kids. So I want to figure out a way that feels 
Like it both fits in our schedule and is authentic. <laughs> and it's funny because like if you think about what you and I have been talking about with church, it's purely social stuff. Like 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 yeah, kind community. of it, yeah. it's been community, which is really interesting. Like we haven't been talking about faith issues. And and I will say that the Unitarian Universalist like faith is absolutely like it's kind of 100% where I land. And so I feel really comfortable with that, but the thing that we have going on in our family is there is kind of a, a sense of division because um, some of our family members are conservative Christians. And I'm pretty sure that for them, the concern for our branch of the family is that we're not going to heaven, you know, in, the, in, their, in their eyes. Like they're truly concerned for our souls. And from our perspective, it's more social differences that concern us. Like, you know, the, the fact that we have these great differences when it comes to issues like gay marriage and abortion, you know, things like that. They have, you know, completely different views on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what kind of rocks me when I think about it. Um, and at the same time, they are the most loving people. And like we get along really well if we don't talk about any of that stuff. <laughs> so we right. get together and we talk about like the weather and we talk about our kids and like how great our kids are. And it's funny how having kids I think has kind of cemented our bond more as a family. I'll say, which is unexpected because it's just not something I ever thought about. It wasn't a motive for my having a kid at all. Um, But once it happened, I felt like we were all kind of closer. Yeah. You're all sort of behind the next generation, even if you have different opinions about what that should look like. Yeah. And I've thought about it too in terms of who Bird's godparents are going to be. Because it's very important to me to raise him as someone who is socially critical and for whom diversity is paramount and social justice is paramount. And there are other principles of Unitarian Universalism, like respect for the interdependent web of life here on Earth. Like, that's really important to me. And that's Mm -hmm. important to me on a spiritual level. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I want him to grow up with that. And I want him to grow up with with parents who are going to have respect for those things as well. And right now, we don't have anybody who, you know, in in our lives that, that we're close enough to to say, like, yes, you're going to be our godparents and you share those values. Right. And I want to give my kids the opportunity to learn about God and believe in God, whatever that God ends up looking like, feeling like for them. And I also want her to recognize that there's all of these different versions of God and that people believe so strongly and they make huge decisions, not just for their sel- themselves and their own families, but I mean, they want to make decisions politically based on their belief in this God. And for her to understand what a intensely personal thing that is so that she can be respectful of other people's gods, but yeah. also know that it's something that she can form in her own heart to serve what she needs for her life to be more enriched yeah do you think that you might start taking her to some kind of church yes I would like to I just want it to be a mutually fulfilling um morning out I want it to be somewhere that she gets to play and learn things and I want it to be somewhere that I get to have the kinds of conversations that I find interesting and a service that I find 
not boring. <laughs> but I also want to loop back to what you were saying about godparents because my mother very much wanted to get uh, Merit baptized about a year ago. And, she, you know, she wanted to call and my sister to make a time to come to town and all this stuff. And I eventually just sort of put my foot down and I said, we want it to be real. Like, we want there to be people who say, I will be one of your spiritual guides and I'll be here for you if you have if you want to talk about God and wow, Christianity so and ha- just have it be real and I was like I can't just stand up there and do this like phony ritual so that you feel better somehow who who were like who were was it going to be your sister who was going to be her her god yeah because I was I'm my niece's god mother mm-hmm. Um, See, I was thinking of it just in terms of this is really funny because it actually shows our very different um, sort of spiritual origins. Because when I think of godparents, I think like, okay, these are the people who are going to take care of your kid if you die. Well, and that's what David thought too. Because I had a I had a friend that I was like, I think she would be great. You know, I can imagine Merritt really having truly like spiritual conversations with her. Mm-hmm. And David's like, but I mean, if we die, is that who? you want Merritt to go live with? And I was right. like, no, 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 no. Like, oh, okay. But I, <laughs> I might be making my own rules here. I don't know what my church that I grew up in says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Cause yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it. Godparents in like a sort of God way, which probably shows what a Unitarian I am. Cause I'm just like, Oh, okay. I guess it can mean that too. And not just these, but like why blunt have a, practical things? Why have a spiritual ceremony about it? If it's something you can just leave in your will. I didn't know people did have spiritual ceremonies about it. For I had, baptism though. Right. Okay. I don't know. I think you have, a, <laughs> I don't even know. Don't even know. I think you have a baptism and that baptism. It's like the godparents are there. Okay. At least in the Episcopal Church. Okay, that's probably true in other faiths as well. As a Unitarian Universalist, when I was little, they had what they call a, a naming ceremony. And I, I don't really know anything about it because I was an infant, but I know that I got a copy of The Velveteen Rabbit. Hmm. Um, and I love that book. Yeah. It's about becoming real. Yeah. Uh, but it's so funny when you sometimes when you start discussing Unitarian Universalism with people of other faiths, they're sort of like, so it's this thing you made up. But I, I mean, I think that's all of it is, is some stuff people made up and they either decided to keep it for thousands and thousands of years or they decided to alter it and yeah. make it their own. Okay, now let's hear from a listener or two with some parental moments of glory. Here are two from our November show at Kavarna, where audience members write them down and we share them from the stage. This one is from Sonia and it says... My two-year-old son, wandering, helpfully, towards me with last night's wine glasses, still half full, saying, I'm cleaning up, Mommy. Yes, thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) It's good to teach them to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Here's one from Kate. She writes, my parental moment of glory is not funny. I'm fucking proud of it. The other night, my nine-year-old was in tears because she had spontaneously hugged her crush at school who told her, get off me. 
She was stuck in a cycle of wishing she hadn't done it and worrying about what would happen the next day. All she wanted to do was not think about it. Instead, since I am a mental health writer, I explained she was having intrusive thoughts, which are always about the past or the future, and I talked her through being present by feeling the breeze from her fan on her face and enjoying the cozy feel of her comforter on her and the softness of her pillow under her head. And she said... It's working, Mom. You can go now. (laughs) Mic drop. I rocked that shit. No kidding. (laughs) Give it up for Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, you two can share your parental moment of glory by calling 678-379-3748. And leave us a message. You can also share one at our next show, which will be February 4th at Kavarna. Yes, uh, our readers are going to be smashing. Kate Tuttle will be there, Megan Sexton will be there, and Susan Rebecca White. We'll also have a stupid game and lots of stuff that you don't hear in the podcast. And a lot of listeners have really enjoyed meeting each other at the live show and hanging around after chit-chatting, so we hope you'll come on out. And now on to our featured reader, Jack Walsh. Jack is an award-winning and award-losing public television producer. He's also a writer, a humorist, and a storyteller. In his spare time, he enjoys gardening because it is both profound and deeply spiritually rewarding to bring new life into the world and then painstakingly and lovingly nurture it to maturity. Indeed, there is nothing else like it. Also, he has two kids. Please welcome Jack Walsh. I don't know what prompted the comment from Stella, but seemingly apropos of nothing, my kid just came out with, Goliath? That's a myth. Wait, who was Goliath? Was he a myth? I said, uh, and took a breath while I considered the best way to reply. My wife, Michelle, answered before I could. Well, yes, kind of. Then we immediately had the same thought, but again, Michelle beat me to it. Maybe don't bring up the myth thing at the restaurant, though. Because what made this question tricky at the moment was the fact that we were on the way to meet an old friend of mine and his family for pancakes, a friend who sometime after college rediscovered Jesus in a big, big way and set aside his pharmacy career to attend seminary and become a fundamentalist evangelical minister. Ethan and his wife Elena are amazing, loving, and giving people, and I still consider Ethan to be one of my best friends, but... I think it's safe to say we have very different perspectives on the story of David and Goliath, as well as most of the pages on either side of it. Not to mention how these pages relate to, let's say, politics, science, social issues, the drinking of beer, or any other uh, number of things. We still have a great time when we get together, but I'm always a little scared that someone is going to make it weird. Someone like my eight-year-old. Why, why shouldn't I bring it up at the restaurant? Stella was immediately suspicious. I said, well, it's probably best that we don't. Why not? I could see her narrow her eyes in the rearview mirror. What's going on? <laughs> well, not everyone has the same ideas about religion, and it's generally smart not to discuss these things at social occasions. Why not? Uh, okay, you see... You know how Nana and Papa are Christian and they believe different stuff? Well, our friends also believe different things a lot. And so, you know, maybe just don't bring it up. 
In regards to different things, I should elaborate here by mentioning that we're Jewish, or most of our household is, I ought to say. Before my wife and I got married, we made the decision that we would raise the kids in her faith tradition. Myself, I was raised Southern Baptist, and up through most of high school, I was fairly devout. In junior high, I was into t-shirts that seemed to celebrate the pop culture of the time, but upon closer inspection were evangelical parodies of it. For instance, my Megalife shirt earned me a good bit of abuse from the metalheads in my school when they realized it took the piss, devoutly of course, out of their much-loved Megadeth. I was, let it be said, something of a Jesus freak. But by the time I got married, faith had become a considerably less important part of my life, so I was mostly okay with raising Jewish kids. It was a big deal to Michelle, and we both felt that the Jewish religion was inextricably tied to a cultural tradition worth preserving and passing on. And, I mean, did the world really need more wasps? There have been some frustrating moments in adapting to new religious practices. For instance, the time I caught on fire at Hanukkah, but... (laughs) But I'm trying to engage in Stella's and her little sister Adeline's Jewish educations where I can. I still know my Old Testament stories pretty well, better than my wife, really, because Southern Baptists do not fuck around when it comes to Bible drill. And it seemed like a good idea to answer whatever questions Stella had so it maybe wouldn't suddenly become a topic of conversation at the IHOP. As we drove along, I yelled the story of David and Goliath to the back of the minivan as best I could, telling Stella how a little boy managed to slay a giant. He was a giant, she asked. I was actually surprised she didn't know that part. I mean, I'd assume that's what had struck her as mythic to begin with. How tall was he? Oh, nine feet or something. That's not a big giant. <laughs> well, he wasn't like a fairy tale giant, per se. He, he was a giant compared to all the other people. And definitely David, for sure. Also, people used to be shorter. (laughs) I told Stella that it was a pretty cool story to hear when I was a boy, since a kid defeated an adult in battle, and maybe we could look it up and read it later. I assume all this satisfied her curiosity for the moment, and thankfully it didn't come up at the restaurant. But as it turned out, Stella wasn't the one I needed to worry about. At some point, while we were waiting for the food, I became aware of a disagreement at the other end of the table. Adeline, my youngest, who had been happily coloring with Ethan's little girl, reacted to something with, oh my gosh. This earned her a polite but firm admonishment from her new friend. You're not supposed to say that. For a while, we've worked on getting Adeline to say that very thing. (laughs) In fact, this was likely the first time ever she has gone with, oh my gosh, instead of, oh my God, at least on the first pass. We've explained to her that it's not respectful to take the Lord's name in vain. Some people find it offensive. It's in the Torah, says so in the Ten Commandments, and so forth. I'm happy she seemed to have finally absorbed this, and even happier she didn't come out with any of the other blasphemies I mutter not entirely under my breath from time to time. (laughs) At four, Adeline is at the peak, or I hope it is the peak, of her saying inconvenient things loudly phase. Just the day before, she'd asked an elderly woman with a walker why she didn't just sit down. She recently saw a youngish but prematurely gray woman and asked loudly, Why does that lady have gray hair? Then she waved her toy camera and yelled, Come back, I want to take your picture. She also will screech out, sometimes at inopportune moments, A dingo ate my baby! And okay, yes, she picked that one up from me, so... Mea culpa. But 
obviously to have some kid she's never met before tell her that the phrase we have been actively encouraging her to say was, in fact, bad, was just not going to fly for Adeline. So she adamantly insisted, oh my gosh, was fine, and said it a few more times by point of illustration. But my friend's daughter stuck to her position, and they went back and forth until reaching an is-is-not-is-two stalemate. In order to negotiate some sort of peace agreement in the IHOP, the United Nations of the breakfast food world, (laughs) Elena told her daughter that while they didn't say it, some people did, and that's okay. The girls continued to snipe back and forth while Elena explained to me that there were people in their church who objected to words like darn or heck that they considered to be Christian curse words. She and Ethan had decided that the best way to not raise heck was to teach their kids to avoid such ecclesiastical epithets, including, oh my gosh. I nodded and thought that would maybe be the end of the conversation, but Elena kept going. Unfortunately, the preschool theological dispute was still happening on one side of me, and on the other, Ethan and Elena's other two kids were watching some Disney thing which was blaring out of the tinny speaker of an iPhone. Elena has a tendency to drop her voice to a soft conspiratorial tone when discussing anything remotely controversial, like placeholders for cuss words, for instance, and I couldn't really understand anything she was saying. I just nodded and smiled and said, right, right, okay, every time it seemed like I should. I know this is a bad idea. I I have a barber with an impenetrable Vietnamese accent, and I do that all the time when she talks to me. This may or may not be related to the fact that I'm wearing a hat right now. So I really have no idea what, from Elena's perspective, I must have appeared to agree to wholeheartedly. It possibly seemed very dramatic because when you wish upon a star swelled to a crescendo on my left simultaneously. Honestly, I was surprised that Ethan and Elena let their kids watch movies in restaurants, and my mind wandered to how Michelle and I had consciously left behind the tablet because we didn't want to look like those kinds of screen-dependent parents in front of our kids, although we are indeed normally those kinds of parents. Indeed, this evening I had resorted to entertaining the kids with a Bible story. It felt strange. I read over the story a few days later to see if I was right about David and Goliath, and I'd pretty much hit all the high points, although I'd forgotten the bit where David decapitates the the defeated Goliath and takes his bloody head home as a trophy, which kind of undercut the point I was going to make about the importance of moral courage. But I tried to impart to Stella that, like with David, self-confidence is the first step in overcoming adversity. Or something. I mean... Yes, God was guiding his hand and all that, but I don't want the answer to every spiritual question that comes up to be because God, that's why. Obviously, I'm still figuring out how to handle all this because parenthood, that's why. (laughs) Helping to raise kids in a faith that is not my own feels a little disingenuous sometimes, but that's mostly because belief itself has become something of an awkward and inconsistent fit for me. I still value and appreciate what I gained growing up in a community of faith, though, a a decent moral foundation, compassion for others, a loving extended family, and a sense of something larger than myself. Adeline recently started parent and me classes at our synagogue, and the first thing they focused on was the importance of being a mensch, a good person who helps others. This is great, and she's become very enthusiastic about putting stickers on her mensch board, a sort of progress chart. While we were doing this one night, I asked her, so why is it important to be a mensch? Because of other people, she said. Because other people are important? Everyone is important, Daddy. 
So do you think it's important to be a mensch because of other people or only because of God? Sort of a leading question. I know other people. Yeah, because everyone is important. We're all in this together, right, Adeline? God is the most important of all, she replied, with as much reverence as a four-year-old can muster. Yeah, God is pretty important. It seemed like I should agree. What do you think about God? We can't see him, she said. Can he see us? I asked. No. But she immediately reconsidered. Wait, yes. The stars are his eyes. So I thought that was cute, if maybe a little Lovecraftian there at the end. (laughs) But I mostly like where she's headed with it. The girls are extraordinarily lucky, blessed, I might say, depending on the day you ask me, to have my wife as a role model in their spiritual development. And although I suspect that one day they'll all use Hebrew to make fun of me without my knowing, (laughs) I'm reasonably sure whatever dissonance that comes as a result of our intermingled religious traditions will mostly work itself out. Both kids currently believe in Santa Claus, so clearly there are bumps that we're never going to fully sand down. But of all the things we might do that they'll end up telling their therapists about someday, religious confusion will likely be pretty far down the list. Kids learn long division not because they're ever going to use long division, but because it forces their brains to work in new ways. We teach them history not so they can accumulate the trivia of the past, but so they can make sense of the present and shape the future. And they learn myths so they'll know that giants can be conquered. But figuring out how to be a mensch, oh my gosh, I hope we're teaching each other. Thank you. That's it for Tantrum. Join us for our next live show. Share this podcast with all your friends. And please do give us some nice reviews and ratings on iTunes. Um, We ask only because it helps more people to find the show. Because raising kids is fun, but hard. Raising kids is life-changing and yet brain-rotting. This isn't easy, and despite it all, you are kicking ass. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney. And I'm Kate Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. Thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna. See ya! Children, it's Christmas time. Mm-hmm. spirituality while well, i was talking about today it was just like there are many gods and we all need to learn to love each other <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>